incredible. We, we've never seen anything like it, and I'm glad that the comparisons to Babe Ruth have stopped because it wasn't like this. Yeah. He didn't do both at the same time. It was one and then mostly the other, and that's how it went. Steve Gardner, the great Steve Gardner, covers baseball for USA Today, jumps on with us now. Yeah. And, and let me tell you something, man. Like, watching Shohei Otani is... I don't think anybody can get enough of it, but I did think about this yesterday on the show, and tell me if you agree, disagree. How would Shohei Otani be viewed if he was just one or the other? Obviously, a great pitcher and a great hitter, but would he be viewed as an MVP? I mean, he's the favorite to win MVP right now. Would he be maybe down just one notch, or would he still be looked at as the best player in baseball if he was just a hitter and didn't pitch? Probably down a notch, mm-hmm. um, just because he's not dominating offensively the way Aaron Judge did last year, and he's not dominating as a pitcher, though I think you could certainly make a case that he's a top 10 in both of those. So um, you would have you know, an all-star, a guy who would probably start the all-star game at one position or the other if he uh, were just one of them. But yeah, to do those both together at the same time, uh, folks, just count your lucky stars. You're alive to watch Shohei Otani do this. No doubt. What's up, Steve? <laughs> Trista. Uh, Trista, long time. I know, my guy. Let's talk about and the And we were Rangers. still talking about Shohei Otani back in the day, too. We were. We? And we were talking about Soto uh, when he was still a Washington National. I miss those days. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about a team that's been very surprising. Last year, I think that they were... Uh, uncharacteristically bad at hitting, and this year they've been excellent. Uh, the Texas Rangers in first place, 10-3 and three in their last 13, scoring 6.3 runs per game. The question, Steve, does this insane hitting continue for the rest of the year? I think it can, maybe not to this level, but you look at the players that they've accumulated. You know, they went big a couple years ago in getting Marcus Simeon and, uh, and also Corey Seager. Uh, in free agency, and now both of those guys are playing healthy at the top of their games. Um, and you get the, the Nate Lowe's and the Jonah Himes and the Adolis Garcias that are coming along and, and getting better and better and better. Yes, this is a definite uh, offensive juggernaut right now, and, and I think that they can continue. I think what's key for the Rangers, though, is can they get the pitching? Can Jacob deGrom come in and be the ace that they're paid, they paid him this offseason to be? Um, if so, this team can be the complete package, and uh, Houston's dominance in the AL West could be uh, in trouble. Steve, Seattle was a team. They broke their playoff drought last year. A lot of expectations heading into this season. They stumbled out of the gate. They're starting to play a little bit better, but with the two teams at the top and how good the AL East is, it, I mean, it's looking tougher and tougher each day for them to kind of make it into the postseason. Do you see an avenue for Seattle, or do you think that they're going to miss out on the playoffs this year? I think right now there's still plenty of time, but it's it looks a lot like a numbers game. And uh, with as you said, with the Rangers playing so well, we know Houston's going to be there in the end. And all of those teams in the AL East, because of the, the way that the schedule is set up now, where it's more of a balanced schedule, these AL East teams are not going to be knocking themselves off as much as they have in the past. So, you know, you've got a chance to have – all the wild cards come from the East, possibly. Um, that That's out of not, not out of the realm of possibility. So, yeah, the window closes a lot on Seattle, and 
putting themselves behind in the first half of this or the first third of the season is going to make it that much difficult. I think uh, Julio Rodriguez is going to have to have, you know, another second half like he had last year and be an MVP candidate to, to pull them along because uh, they need something uh, really big and they need it soon. Steve, what team has been the biggest surprise to you so far? I know it's obviously fairly early in the season. I mean, for me as a Nats fan, I'm surprised the Nats have won more than the A's uh, <laughs> at this point. But is there a team that stood out to you where you're going, and it could be also a bad team too? Yeah, um, absolutely, though, from a good standpoint, the Arizona Diamondbacks. I mean, this is a team that, uh, you know, kind of an afterthought in the National League West, and that's that's putting it mildly because the Dodgers and the Padres, that was supposed to be the race in the West, and all of a sudden, you know, where do these Diamondbacks come from? I'll tell you, the Diamondbacks remind me of the Braves from a couple of years ago to where, you know, a lot of young talent – just sort of rising to the top, maybe a, a year early than a lot of people expected. But you get a guy like Corbin Carroll, who's just wow. torn up the minor leagues, comes in as a rookie and is, is going like gangbusters and leading this mm -hmm. team, essentially their best player. But they've got so many that are contributing. And here they are challenging the Dodgers in the National League West for, for first place. And, uh, you know, the pitching has been excellent. Zach Gallen has been you know, a Cy Young contender in his own right. And uh, so I think the Diamondbacks, because people were focused on the other two heavyweights in that division, they've kind of snuck up, but they've been good, you know, kind of like the uh, proverbial snake in the grass just waiting to come and strike. <laughs> they've done so right now. Diamondbacks to start the year and spring training were 40 to 1 to, end the, uh, to win the NL West, which is just absolutely uh, obscene, Steve. I want to get your thoughts on the Red Sox. I know that they're last in the division, but I think that they've exceeded expectations. They lose out uh, on on Xander Bogarts. They wanted to re-sign him. Don't end up doing that. Uh, what's the reason you think that they haven't just completely fallen off of a cliff? Well, I, I think it's there. It's a combination. Um, first of all, and and you know, Rafael Devers has not been. Uh, an MVP caliber no. player in the early going either. So it's been a collection of, of everybody chipping in. Um, I can't really put my finger on one thing. You know, Alex Cora is there and, you know, he has a, a solid track record as a manager of getting the most out of his players. So that's part of it. Um, I think Chris Sale coming back and starting to look pretty good now um, may be one of the things that keeps the Red Sox in contention. But, uh, yeah, it's it's hard to say because they, they didn't re-sign Xander Bogarts this offseason, and people were wondering with all the injuries. You know, Trevor Story was injured, and everything else that's gone wrong for them to be able to kind of tread water and, and maybe rise a little bit toward the toward the top, That's it's pretty impressive what they're doing in, as we said, the toughest division in baseball. Steve, Jeff Passan of ESPN had tweeted out that GMs around the league believe that Shane Bieber might become available at the deadline for the Guardians. Obviously, we'll see what happens with the Angels and if Otani becomes available. The White Sox struggle. Dylan Cease might become available. How many, like, big-name starting pitchers would you expect to see being moved at the deadline? I'll tell you, I think you may have run the list of the guys <laughs> who may be available. Um, from what I understand, uh, it, it seems like this could be kind of a, a slow trade deadline, that there aren't going to be as many sellers as there will be buyers. So the competition 
for those guys might be pretty fierce. And I think, you know, talk about the, uh, the Baltimore Orioles have been another surprise team. You know, they didn't go out and make a huge free agent signing on the pitching side this offseason. Um, I mean, a couple of guys that, uh, that were kind of innings eaters in most people's eyes. Uh, Orioles fans were looking for that ace and possibly, you know, maybe that's the opportunity. Um, if they could put together a package with a nice, you know, deep farm system, perhaps one of the the best, if not uh, one of the top three farm systems in all of baseball, they could make an attractive uh, package for a Shane Bieber or Dylan Cease. So um, I, I don't see a whole lot of, of other guys that are certainly bigger names than that being available. And uh, so, yeah, we'll, we may see for a change um, – you know, a, a pretty decent sized package for those guys if the supply is down. Mm. Talking to Steve Gardner at MGM tonight. Uh, let, let's say maybe those are the only two names on the market, or even there's smaller names, or whatever. Whatever the case is at the deadline, I'm looking at the AL East right now, and I see every single team over 500. Watching the Yankees start to play better baseball, the Rays still with a four game lead over the Orioles. The Orioles continuing to improve from being the surprise team last year. How aggressive do you think? either some or literally every team in that division will be looking at the season they're having, but also how competitive that division is. Yeah, I think this is a case where when you're looking at trades, uh, you're not going to want to wait until the trade deadline. You're going to want to get those impact guys that help your team. You want to get them earlier and get, you know, four months out of them rather than two months. You know, probably more realistically, you'll get three months um, because I don't see any deals going down you know, in the, in the month of June or anything, but uh, who knows? Maybe it could. I, I think you're right, though. You've got to be aggressive, and when, you know, there are only a, a, a finite number of playoff spots and every single team in the division feels like they could get one of them, um, you'll, you'll probably see, I think, relief pitching generally goes first, and we see a lot more relievers as teams try to bolster up the bullpen. You can never have too many good relievers uh, down the stretch and in the postseason. So I think that may be where it starts, but once those dominoes start falling, then look out. We could uh, we could see those teams being very aggressive. Even last week, Steve, uh, and it's changed a little bit now because the Padres have, Padres have kind of come out of their coma, but even last week they were uh, literally 30th in runs scored per game on average. Um, they've won mm-hmm. 6 of 10, but like, what has gone wrong? Because they obviously came around late last year, uh, outperforming. You know, obviously the Tatis suspension carried over over this year. Soto hasn't looked himself. Like, like how would you diagnose how bad things have been for the Padres and wh- whether they can come out of it late like they did last year? Trista, I think one of the things that, that makes it seem worse for the Padres is that the expectations were so high. I mean, you say, you, know, you look at Juan Soto and you feel like you ha- he hasn't really had a great season. I mean, his OPS is, is over 800, you know, in, in that 850 range. I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's still pretty darn good. It's not a thousand like uh, we've come to expect when we right. watched him in Washington, but you know, he is coming around. I think one of the things, and it was played up pretty big by a lot, the, the local media and some of the national media, they were so abysmal with runners in scoring position. I think under mm-hmm. 200 as a team for the first two months of the season, uh, that's got to turn around because they're, they're much better than that. And just the law of averages says you're going to get hits 
at a little bit higher clip than that, it would be, you know, I, I think record territory to be that low for an entire season. So look for as the, as the Padres hitters start to warm up a little bit, situational hitting, which has been, uh, you know, their Achilles heel at the beginning of the year, should improve a little bit. So uh, whether that's enough to catch the Dodgers and, and overtake the Diamondbacks, um, they're going to have to put in some more work uh, and, and get a little bit more lucky and have some improved performances there. But as we see, up and down that roster, the talent is there. Tatis is back. Um, I, I think the Padres are definitely going to be a factor before it's all said and done. You're right, Steve. Uh, Juan Soto current OPS is 924, so we are kind of sleeping yeah, there we on go. them a little bit. Yeah. Whew. Steve, real quick, got about a minute left. The Mets and the Blue Jays have identical records. They're both 29 and 27. The Mets are 16 to 1 to win the World Series. The Blue Jays are 18 to 1. If you had to make a bet on one of those two teams that you're more confident in right now, would you take the Jays or the Mets? I think I'd take the Jays. Um, I, I like them. They, they were my preseason pick in the American League to win the pennant, so I think maybe a little bit of a bias on my part there. But um, I, I look at this team and see so many things that can go right for them. Um, the hitting may not have you know, uh, been as, as good as it should be over the first part of the season. I think there's plenty of room for improvement there. The defense is much better than it was last year. And, and the pitching, I think, has room to improve as well. I, I think they have more of that upside. We know that Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer haven't been there for the entire season for the Mets. So if they can stay healthy, then they'll be a better team. But uh, I think the Blue Jays have more room to grow and probably a better percentage probability of being able to hit that. Steve Gardner, USA Today. Always good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on with us. Appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. Thanks.